Hi, I'm Christian Brindle, and welcome to the Everything Medicare Podcast. What's up, Everything Medicare Podcast Nation? This is Christian Brindle, wherever you are and however you might be listening to me today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Folks, if this is your first time tuning in, my name is Christian Brindle. This is the Everything Medicare Podcast. And every single week, me and my company, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, bring you a podcast episode where we discuss your Medicare, your Medicaid, your Social Security, and everything that has to do with that golden age called retirement. Not enough people talk about it. We're here to bring you the news, the updates, the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts behind it all. And thank you so much for tuning in and taking that that precious time of yours to tune in on a Monday. Um, Folks, today we're going to be talking about transitioning from Obamacare to Medicare. And this is kind of the way that I look at it. People oftentimes will come to me and say, when they're transitioning from Obamacare to Medicare, they'll say usually one of two things, depending on their situation. And, and they might be pretty vastly different, and you might notice that. They might say, well, this Medicare is going to cost me a lot more than what I was paying before. Or another camp might say, <laughs> getting onto this Medicare is going to save me a bundle every month in premium. How can two situations that are so similar have such different perspectives. I'll explain. Let's first dive into actually how Obamacare works, right? So it's really technically Obamacare is not our politically correct term. What you have is marketplace plans, Affordable Care Act plans, or in the industry known as ACA plans, Affordable Care Act, ACA. Marketplace insurance, plans that are purchased on the marketplace. So we've done an entire episode about marketplace insurance, but it's been some time. I'm not going to get into too much into the weeds with it, but what I will tell you is when you're, when you're on marketplace insurance, typically it's when somebody does not have access to any group plan, any group insurance or anything of that nature. Um, because a lot of times I typically find that a group plan through an employer is going to be probably be a better option for somebody than a marketplace plan would be. Now, if somebody doesn't have that access or another type of insurance, that's where the marketplace will come in and be a viable option for somebody. The marketplace offers subsidies to people that are in certain tax brackets and certain income brackets. And the subsidy is is calculated more or less depending on a, a varying degree of variables for that person's situation. It's going to depend on how many people live in the house with the person. It's going to depend on the household income of the household. It's going to depend on the age. And, of course, the older the person is, the more the premium is going to be. That's just insurance 101, no matter what your type of insurance is when it comes to life insurance, health insurance, those kind of things in most situations. So somebody that's 59 years old is going to have a dramatically higher premium than somebody that's 21. That's pretty easy to understand. But 
all of these different varying degrees are going to determine if somebody is eligible for a subsidy and also to determine how much. They essentially take a look at the premium that would be taken off of somebody's income and they calculate the percentage of that person's income. What percentage of this person's income is this premium going to take every month? And that does vary from person to person, house to house. Of course, the more people are in the house, the more mouths to feed, et cetera, et cetera. This is going to help the government determine how much assistance they're willing to give to a specific individual in terms of paying their monthly premium. And so you'll find people that are on Obamacare plans have very different opinions in terms of what they pay. If somebody gets a very large subsidy, if they're in a very low income bracket, to them, they might be paying very little for their, pre for their plan. Their premium might be very um, inconsequential, or it might be nothing at all in some situations. That's how you know somebody is in a lower tax bracket, if that is the case in most situations. So if somebody's paying no premium or $10, $20, $30 a month for their Obamacare plan, then all of a sudden they're thrust into Medicare and with Medicare, remember, there's two parts of Medicare that come from the government. You have Medicare Part A and you have Medicare Part B. Medicare Part A doesn't cost anything as long as you've worked in the country for at least 10 years of your life or 40 working quarters, depending on your preference there. Same thing. Um, whereas Medicare Part B has a premium of $148.50 a month. So that person that's transitioning from that plan where they're getting this kind of subsidy, let's say they're making... I'm just going to throw a ballpark number out there, maybe $25,000, dollars $40,000 a year, and they're getting this subsidy. Then all of a sudden, they're paying, at minimum, $148.50 a month for Medicare Part B. In their mind, they might think, well, this Medicare is costing me a lot more. I was paying $20 a month. Now I'm paying nearly $150 a month. So you can kind of see how that person would, would tackle that. And they probably don't have a low enough income, in most cases, to qualify for Medicaid. Medicaid, as most of you know, is assistance from your state um, for people that are incredibly low income, poverty levels of income, and they, if someone qualifies for a high enough level of Medicaid, we did a video recently on this on the Christian Parental Insurance Services YouTube channel. If you haven't seen that and you're interested to know those levels and kind of what it looks like, go check that out. It's a good video. Um, but if you're not in a low enough level of Medicaid, um, they won't pay your Part B premium for you. But if you're on a high enough level, which means that you're in a very low income bracket, they will pay your Medicare Part B premium for you, and then that's not an issue. But for some of these people, they're between thirty, forty thousand dollars a year in household income, um, or and they just don't really have a low enough income to get Medicaid to pay that Part B premium for them. So in that person's perspective, in that person's eyes, they're looking at it like I was paying such a little amount. Now I'm paying $148.50 minimum for my Medicare. Life's all about perspectives, wouldn't you say? Two people can look at the same incident, the same situation, the same idea, the same piece of artwork, and they can walk away with two completely different opinions because they see the world differently. This is how I look at this. This is really how I would take a look at this situation because it's really going to depend on if someone's getting that subsidy and somebody that's not. Now, let's say I'm working with somebody that has $100,000 to $120,000 a year in household income, and it's just them, maybe their spouse. Well, they're not going to qualify for a subsidy, not by a long shot. And if they're maybe 64, 
turning 65, well, they've been paying an incredibly high premium for their marketplace plan. Because remember, the marketplace is based on your age. Um, a lot of times in that situation, the premium is going to be enormous, right? A huge premium. It could be $800, $900, $1,000, $1,200 a month, depending on how good or bad the plan is. And a lot of times it's going to have a pretty significant deductible in, in addition to that, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000 a year in terms of a deductible. So that person transitioning off of Medicare, excuse me, transitioning off of a marketplace plan, an Obamacare plan into Medicare, Medicare is a godsend. Because in most states, even if they pick up a Medicare supplement and get full coverage, they're probably looking at $300 to $350 a month. That's if they probably add dental to the equation with their drug plan. And their coverage is better. If they get a Medicare Advantage plan, they're saving even more money, and their coverage is probably still better. (laughs) Um, All about perspective, folks. All about perspective. Two people could be in dramatically similar situations, but they see the situation differently. One sees it as a curse. Another sees it as a blessing. One thing people always ask me is, if I'm in the first camp, where maybe I'm getting a very significant subsidy, and this essential subsidy is allowing me to pay less than it would cost me to get onto Medicare, can I then just decide that I just don't want to get on Medicare and stay with my Obamacare plan? The short answer is no. Obamacare marketplace insurance has not looked at as credible coverage in the eyes of Medicare. You'd issue a late enrollment penalty. It's not a good idea. Um, Don't try that. It won't work. Point blank. It won't work. Once you're eligible for Medicare, the marketplace won't keep you on anyway. That's the thing with this, folks. Um, There's only a couple of things that are looked at as credible coverage in the eyes of Medicare. And really all that it is, is if you're working through an active employer and you're receiving benefits through that active employer, either you or your spouse, if you're dependent on your spouse's work plan and and it's through a current employer and it's looked at as credible coverage in the eyes of Medicare, then you can postpone your Medicare and take it when you retire with no late enrollment penalties. That's not an issue. That's looked at as credible coverage. But outside of that, you kind of have to take Medicare at 65 unless you want to get a late enrollment penalty. And we've done entire episodes about penalties. I can't talk about every little facet of everything in every episode. So go find that episode if you want to know about penalties. But it's, it's interesting because that is the way that I typically see it. It's going to be people in one of those two camps when they're looking at a marketplace plan, an Obamacare plan. With the subsidy, when you have the state government helping you pay a lion's share of the premium, it looks pretty good, right? (laughs) You can get a top-notch plan and pay very little for it at the end of the day. But that's only if you're in the right income bracket, and that's only if you can qualify for a subsidy. If you're not getting assistance through a subsidy from the state government, the premium's most likely going to be pretty high. And unless you're paying a monster premium, like through the roof, the coverage is probably leaving something to be desired. I call it the Unaffordable Care Act. (laughs) Because unless you're getting a subsidy, unless you're getting help paying the premium, the premium's going to be more than you probably want to pay. I put my daughter on an Affordable Care Act plan. My daughter turns two this week, my daughter Violet, and my daughter 
to put her on a affordable care act plan because she needs um she needs some certain types of potential autism therapy called ABA therapy. They think that she might be on the spectrum. What's encouraged us is as she's gone from age one to age two in the last 12 months, she's dramatically caught up in her development. They've told us that if she is on the spectrum at all, it's very minor, but they want to put her in this therapy anyway to help her get caught up. I, I, I had us on a different type of insurance plan called a short-term medical plan. And I put, us, I put her specifically on a marketplace plan because the type of insurance I had wouldn't cover this therapy. The marketplace plan would. And even for her, she's not even two yet. To get a halfway decent plan, I'm paying $350 a month for a one-year-old. I don't qualify for subsidies. That's why I call it the Unaffordable Care Act. Because um, it's not affordable unless you're getting help from the government to pay a lion's share of the premium. So you'll notice people come from different perspectives with this line of thought. It's either going to be dramatically in their benefit to get onto Medicare, or it's going to be dramatically worse, but it's only going to be dramatically worse if they're receiving a significant subsidy already from their state to pay the premium, if they fall into those certain income parameters and those certain income brackets. It's all about perspectives, folks. One person can look at a situation or look at something and see an apple. Another person can look at the exact same thing and see an orange. Depending on where they're at and how they look at the world, this is no different than that. Now, when you're transitioning from Obamacare into Medicare, how does it actually work? Well, Medicare, as we know, um, has an open enrollment period of three months before your birth month of you, you turning 65. You become eligible when you turn 65 unless you're on disability, um, unless you're on Social Security disability for 24 months consecutively. Then on the 24th month, you're placed on Medicare disability at any age. But other than that, you become eligible for Medicare when you're 65, when you turn 65. Medicare starts earlier than your 65th birthday. It starts in the first of the month of your birthday. Unless your birthday falls on the first of the month, then it starts a month sooner. Don't ask me why they do that. But if your birthday falls on any other day of the month, your Medicare effective date will be on the first of any given day. So your window is three months before your birth month, the month of your birthday, and three months after. Most people will actually take the time to set it up to start in their birth month. It's simpler that way. It's actually designed to work that way more than anything else. So once you get on to Medicare, once you've actually settled into what you actually want to do, what your plan's going to look like, whether you're getting a Medicare supplement, Medicare Advantage, whatever the case might be, then you have to go about canceling your marketplace plan. Because your marketplace plan will not automatically cancel out, folks. You've got to keep this in mind. Now, most people get their marketplace plan through the marketplace, right? Even if they go through an agent, the agent usually signs them up through the marketplace. This is what I found over the years. And a lot of times, if you go to the insurance company directly and let them know you want to cancel because you're getting on Medicare, they might tell you they're going to cancel you. They might actually, you know, type some buttons on their computer while you're talking to them, act like they're going to cancel you. But I've learned that you have to go right to the marketplace in order to get that cancellation. And if you don't, you might be in danger of it canceling. Keep this in mind. It usually takes them about two weeks on average to cancel a policy, I found. So make sure you do it about a month out, in my opinion. Specify on the day you want it to cancel because you don't want any gaps of coverage. You don't want any misunderstanding to where they actually cancel you on the day that you called. Or they put it in two weeks and then 
um, let's say you do it on the first of the month, you don't specify, it takes two weeks to cancel, and then you're, you go half the month without coverage, specify the cancellation date, but you actually have to take the time and, the, and, and go out of your way to cancel the plan, probably going through the marketplace or calling the marketplace up and just letting them know about that is going to be the easiest way to go about it, in my personal opinion. That's really all you got to know about Obamacare and transitioning from Obamacare or Affordable Care Act plans over to Medicare. And I hope this helped, folks. I hope you found this helpful. Um, if you did, do me a favor. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the like so more people like you can find this video. Subscribe to the, U- the YouTube channel where these podcasts are recorded and uploaded on video so you can see my pretty face. Um, drop a comment on what your thoughts are. Is this, is this the right way for it to go about it? Um, do you wish that the system was different? I'd love to know about it. Drop that in the comment section. If you're listening to us on one of the audio platforms, I really appreciate it. Leave us a five-star review on Apple if you're listening on Apple or any platform that allows you to leave a review. Please leave us a five-star review. It helps us reach more people just like you. If you need help with your Medicare, my company's licensed in 35 to 40 states. I forget the, I forget the actual number, but we're licensed in many places. The list of the states is actually down in the description in the show notes um, of this video or this podcast, whichever you're listening to it on. And our office number is 801-255-5340, 801-255-5340. We partner with all of the biggest insurance companies in the the nation for the most part. So we're really, really, um, we're really, really good at actually finding the best available plan for you, depending on your situation, depending on your preference. Anyway, folks, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for taking the time. And this is episode 245. My name is Christian Brindle. Thanks for being the best audience that any podcast has ever had. We'll be back with you next Monday. Have a terrific week. God bless. God speak.